Hi, everyone. I'm Barbara Beck, host of Welcome Home on Good Life 45. And you're listening to my good friends, Fritz, Mike, and Tina, right here on God Stories Radio, bringing hope, comfort, and encouragement to the world through the power of the Christian testimony. Keep listening for a big blessing from the Lord. Welcome, everyone, to God Stories Radio. This is session 182. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. And I'm Tina. What's going on, guys? It's Thursday night. Thursday night. It's an exciting time. Yeah, man. Old Slewfoot tried to come up in here and mess some stuff up, man. Yes, he did. Well, good job figuring it out on the spot there. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah. That's the Holy Spirit is what it is. Yeah. I just give it to him. That's right. Boy, I tell you, we got a lot of Facebook likes this week. Yes, we do. And uh, I, I want to uh, give our special guest tonight just due. So let's uh, get to him. All right. So I think you're going to kick him off. Am right? I going first? Yes, Anyone? you are. <laughs> I love this. Let me see. I want to welcome to the GSR family, Patricia Laws. Thank you, Patricia, for Thank liking you. us on Facebook. Thank and uh, Victor... And Ronnie Spangler, thank you for liking us on Facebook. We appreciate it. We love yes, you we guys. Do. Love those guys. Was out on the road for a long time with Victor. And my sister Claire Amrine gave us a like on Facebook. We appreciate that. And uh, Rachel Blankenship. Thank you, Rachel. It's Johnny Johnny's. Blankenship's mm-hmm. wife. Very talented guy. Plays guitar. All right. Who you got, Mike? I got... I got um... Sean Vincent. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Sean Appreciate for liking that. us on Facebook. Uh, Lilalance Guerrero. Thank you, Lilalance. Thank you. And then um, Kathy McCauley Orcut. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you, yes. Kathy. We love you. Love the Orcuts. Yes. Yeah, she sat here with her husband, Jeff. Pastor Jeff. Yes. That's right. And then... Uh, Silvana Hacker. Thank you, Silvana. Thank you, Silvana. We love you. And when we see these Facebook likes, there is a picture. And I saw a picture of a little baby there with you. <laughs> Congrats on that. But now you can come and give your testimony, right? <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> well, I have a string of Facebook likes also. And these are pretty much a lot of friends of mine. So I'm going to go through them rather rapidly. But thank you to Bobby Wong, Jess Jess, Kristen Frost Negrete, or Veronica Ortega, Stephanie Gonzalez, Shakita Simmons, Cindy Ann Harrison, Helen Resdick. Arlen Knopfzinger. Arlen. That's right. He was a former guest, too. Catherine Weiss, Janet Lee Jonigan, Lydia Klontz, 
and Becky Akala, John Michael Garcia, Jess Atkinson, Elizabeth Loving Laster, Jane Braxton, Owen Hagen, Sandra Fernandez, and Terry Andahar. Guys, thanks so much for liking Thank us you, on guys. Facebook. Thank you, guys. We appreciate that so much. That so blesses us. And we're up to 700 likes now. Did we get 700? We I know we were 699 before the program. So Yeah, so we're up to 700 likes, which is pretty exciting. We just love that. And uh, we just love that the, the God Stories Radio family is growing and... Uh, it's just uh, strength in numbers, yeah. especially when you have prayer requests and things like that. Absolutely. And then, of course, our episode on TV 45 just aired. Yep, sure it's did. very exciting. Yes, it did. Two, two days ago, it ran Tuesday and it ran today. Yeah, and it's going to air for two weeks, right? Two weeks. Every other, the- it goes every other day is what I was told. So... And if you um, if you can't get TV forty five in the area that you're in, you can log on to their website, and it's their Thanksgiving episode. Uh, yep, TV forty five dot org of Welcome Home. Yeah, Welcome Home. And it's also on ours, isn't it? Or no, our Facebook. Not yet. No. Oh, okay. the Facebook. Yes. yes. But we're going to put it on as our Thanksgiving. Yeah, I want to put it on the website. Yes. I did put it on the website. Oh. Yes. Excuse me. The website. Oh, no, not the website. I'm sorry. The Facebook. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Mm. I was about to be impressed. I'm still impressed. (laughs) She impresses me all the time. I borrow your shovel, Mikey. (laughs) (laughs) But we did. We had a good time there. Um, I watched it uh, midnight. I mean, 11 o'clock by the time it ended was midnight on Tuesday night. And um, it went pretty good. It really did. I thought I thought it was a really lovely show. So fantastic. Well, guys, I want to get to our guests. Okay. Because I can't tell you uh, how much I I love these guys, and I spent a lot of time with them on the road, and uh, they were never too busy to stop and help somebody in crisis and. Uh, I can remember I, the last show I believe that that we did together was a large show, and I know that a a young gentleman uh, I don't know if he fell or he jumped off the second or third story of the hotel and he landed in the lobby. And uh, I remember that they were able to go over. It was uh, a bunch of I think it was high schoolers or something like that. They were able to actually go over there and minister to that whole group. After that happened, I will never forget that. Um, <clears throat> but Ed and Cheryl Henderson, are, are they're amazing people, and they have uh, the New Life Network. And um, I'm going to make them tell you more about that because we're uh, God Stories Radio. We're home of the shameless plug. So I'm hoping that they will plug their website. Um, they have books and tapes. They're amazing. They have newsletters that are just amazing. I've been getting them for years. And I just love them, and uh, I'm going to be quiet because I could take up the whole podcast just talking about it, how much they mean to me and what great people they are. So without further ado, I give you my wonderful friends and family, Ed and Cheryl Henderson from New Life Network. Welcome, guys. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you for coming on God Stories Radio. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, let me first apologize to Fritz for the technical problem. I forgot I forgot to warn you, Fritz, that, that some of that stuff follows us. 
And uh, I, I recall that one of the first churches that we went into uh, and we're ministering in Mississippi and we set up our sound equipment. Cheryl was about to sing. And all of a sudden, country music came through our speakers. <laughs> and so uh, I like country music, but not in the middle of a church service. So we had to deal with that that technical um, difficulty. So we're just, uh, we're just glad to be with you tonight. And Cheryl, my wife Cheryl is going to start and share our testimony. And we're going to go back a few years because Cheryl and I have been married 51 years. Oh, wow. So Praise the Lord. You don't hear that much anymore. No, you don't. Yeah, and we, we were not born saved. Maybe some people are born saved, but we weren't. And so she's going to share uh, how we how we got started and how we met the Lord. And and so I give you Cheryl. Hey, guys. Hey, Cheryl. Hey, it's really good to be on this program with you guys tonight. And I think in my heart, I hope that whoever is listening out there well, take notice, because when it is that we've been married 51 years, you know, marriage to us is very important. And those that are married, I'll tell you, the enemy comes against that, the worst of anything, I think. So I hope that our testimony will encourage others uh, in their marriage and in their relationship. I actually got saved when I was 12 in Atlanta, Georgia, in a little Baptist church. And I really didn't know a whole lot about the Bible. I just knew that that preacher was saying, if you didn't accept Jesus, you would go to hell. And I was sure I did not want to go there. So <laughs> I, I went down and I was crying and I wanted Jesus in my heart. Now, I didn't really live for him too much after that. And I went through a whole lot of stuff growing up and all that. But when I was 18 years old, I met Ed Henderson. And at first, I didn't like him because he was very quiet. And I'm from a musical entertainment family. And so he was just really opposite of that. But after a little while and us going out a little bit, we uh, we kind of got mar- met married in about a three-month time. Wow. So I know that was a God thing, that's for sure. And uh, Ed was, you know, when we got married, neither one of us were living for the Lord. I was kind of doing my thing. He was kind of doing his thing. He was climbing up the ladder of success. And I was modeling and selling real estate and just kind of doing my own thing. You know, and it's funny, at the time when we were going through life, I just thought that's the way it was supposed to be. And then after a season of time, I found out some things very different. Um, Ed was worked for the Postal Service. He was in law enforcement. He was a postal inspector. And, and all this stuff was going on. And one day, I went to the doctor. And he told me, now, we already had one son who was nine years old. And I was pretty sure I wasn't going to have any more kids until this doctor said, Cheryl, I think you're pregnant, madam. And I went, oh, you've made a mistake. <laughs> there is no way I'm pregnant. No. I said, yes, ma'am, you are. Well, I kind of, kind of just, I was really upset because I did not want that. And the doctor took me by both shoulders and kind of shook me and said, God has his hand in this. Can you imagine a doctor doing that today? I couldn't, <laughs> I I couldn't even I'm, imagine. You, no, your sure jaw couldn't. must have been on the floor. 
Well, it was like, well, here, well, uh, unfortunately, my response was not very good. I kind of broke away from him and said, well, God doesn't have to get up for the two o'clock feeding. So that'll <laughs> tell you a little bit about where my heart was. So when I came home from the doctor, I'm like sitting in the middle of the kitchen floor crying. And, you know, Ed comes in and he says, what's the matter with you? And I said, and I, I got to remember what I said. I said, first, I think I, uh, uh, first, I think I'll kill myself. I want a divorce and I think I'll have an abortion. And he goes, wait a minute, wait a minute. If you're going to do the first one, why worry about the last two? And so we just had this goofy conversation. Just, we were just so lost. Number one, I wasn't going to have an abortion because I didn't believe in that. Number two, even though I didn't believe much, but I know I didn't believe in that. <laughs> I didn't want a divorce because that would be really stupid. Uh, here I am pregnant. Why would I leave the man that's supporting me? So I kind of reconciled to the fact that I was going to have another child. About a week after that, Ed came home and said, and we were living in Jonesboro, Georgia, right outside Atlanta at the time. And Ed comes home and says, we've been transferred to Miami. And I thought, oh, Lord, my whole world's falling apart. <laughs> so that was a major turning point for us. We got down to Miami, found us a little house. We had to do a little fixing up. And at seven months, I, I, I went into labor. And uh, it was well. taken to the hospital. Well, it was kind of scary because this baby was not due at this time. And I, it was really scary for me. So we went to the hospital. And back then, they put you to sleep to have babies. So they knocked me out, and I didn't know too much until I woke up and somebody was, they had a piece of paper, and they were flashing it in my face going, sign this, sign this, your baby's not breathing. And, you know, I'm going, well, wait a minute, what did I have? And they told me it was a boy. Sign this. So I signed the paper. You know, this was in the time before cell phones, if anybody can even imagine such. <laughs> Ed had already gone home or had left the hospital. He was in transit home, so they couldn't get him to come back and sign anything. So they, I scribbled my name. And after a good little while, when I finally got coherent and could get up out of bed and walk to the neonatal care unit, I looked at this precious, perfect, tiny baby with a core, with a, a tube and everything you could put a tube in. And his little chest was just like fighting for every breath. You know, the devil loves guilt trips. And Amen to he that. Really you got know, that right. He jumped on me big time. Well, look what you did. You know, what kind of mother are you? You know, and I was just guilt ridden because I thought to myself, you know, this little baby didn't even ask to come here and look at him. And about that time, I mean, I was falling in a deep pit. And the doctor even said, now, Miss Henderson, we don't know. The next 48 hours will tell. You ha This child has hyaline membrane, yellow jaundice. And we also found a spot on his lung, and I think it, they thought it was a pneumonia. Well, after the wonderful news of the doctor, mm. he, he said he didn't know if he was even going to live or die. And all of a sudden, y'all, 
God is so good. You know, he loves us even when we don't love him. He's after our heart even when we don't even want it. Amen. He's after He's after us. Um, the words of that doctor came back to me. God's got his hand in this. God's got his hand in this. And all of a sudden, faith rose up on the inside of me. Now, y'all, I didn't know that's what it was. I just all of a sudden felt strong. And, and the nurse says, come on, Miss Henderson, let's get back to your room. We don't know if this baby's going to make it or not. And I said, well, I know he's going to live. Because God's got his hand in this. And I know they thought I needed to go back to bed. I know they thought <laughs> I was crazy. That baby stayed in the neonatal care unit for two weeks. And when he reached five pounds, they let me bring him home. Now, right before I left, they said, Now, Miss Henderson, we need to talk to you about premature babies. They are usually stunted in growth. And they don't usually do very good in school. Many times they'll have learning disabilities. Well, in my mind, I was saying, uh-uh, no way. I didn't accept it. Even though, you know, I didn't. That's something we need to watch. We don't have to accept everything people tell us. And doctors are good, but they don't know everything. Mm -mm. That's so, the truth. Well, let me just tell you, this this little boy who just turned 40 on October the 8th, is six foot seven, <laughs> has a 15 shoe, played basketball, and graduated from high school salutatorian with a scholarship to college. Praise so, the Lord. So they don't know everything. They just don't know everything. And... Uh, He's a precious young man, loves the Lord, got saved, filled with the Holy Ghost when he was five years old. So he's our miracle baby for sure, for sure. So that's how Miami was. <laughs> oh, my God, it was a trip, a half. So after that, we got transferred again. When Chip was a year old, we got transferred to Memphis, Tennessee. Now, you got to know that all this time, Ed and I are still kind of, he's doing his thing, I'm doing my thing. And Ed was, he he drank a lot at that time. He was never abusive or anything, but he was into alcohol. So we moved to Memphis, Tennessee, and oh my goodness, I hooked up with a little Assembly of God girl, and boy, did she ever turn our lives around. Ed, tell them about the little boy that came through the house one day when you were laying on the couch watching football, drinking a beer. Yeah. This this little boy, I don't know, he must have been about five years old. And he was a neighbor neighbor's uh, kid. And he, and so I was in there looking at put, laying on the couch, drinking a beer. And he comes walking in the back door. I mean, just opened the door, walked in the back door, and walked right up to me and looked right in my face. And he said, you're going to hell. <laughs> and I thought, I yelled at, at, at uh, Cheryl. I said, who is this kid? You know? and, uh, <laughs> Out of the mouth it, of babes, right, Ed? You know? I mean, it, it'll get your attention kind of quick. So That was so cute. And, you know, what happened in Memphis is we have, we found a little church. And, uh, well, I found a little church. and um, It's actually a little Methodist church out in the middle of a bean field in Collierville. Well, actually, it was Piperton, Tennessee. And, you know, Ed says a lot. He said it was the most least 
least likely place for God to ever show up. <laughs> but he did. The pastors of that little church were fresh out of Bible college and filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, God came to that place. It only had 30 people in it when we first started going there. And before it was over, there were over 200 people in that little church. And the services, you know, there's a scripture in the Gospels that says, when it's noise that Jesus is in the house, there will not be enough room even about the doors or the windows. And honey, it was noise that Jesus was in that house. There were healings. There were services where if you had any bitterness or unforgiveness in your heart, you either had to get it out or you had to get out. And people would just stand up and, and say, sir, I, I've, I've had unforgiveness in my heart for you. Please forgive me. I mean, all kind of miracle things were happening in this little church. And it was just amazing. And, um, and Ed came several times, and one of our friends that got actually got saved in that church, he promised his wife he'd go to church. They were having terrible marital problems, and one of the conditions for her to let him come home was to, uh, she, he had to go to church with her. And he said one day he was, <coughs> we had our heads bowed, and he looked up, and Jesus was standing at, uh, in the front of the church, just at the pulpit. And he goes, oh, my gosh. And he closed his eyes, and he looked up again, and Jesus was there with his arms open to the sky. He just, I think, you know, remember how how um, uh, Elijah prayed that the servant's eyes would be open? Yes. I think, it's, I think at this point, God just pulled back the curtain a little bit and let this guy see Jesus. So all, all of this was going on, and I'm sitting there. I was raised in the, somewhat of a Christian home, but I never saw any of this, okay? So, you know, I just, uh, I didn't fully commit to it, but I started reading the Bible uh, on the sly. She didn't even know I was reading the Bible. So when <laughs> I went on the road to work, I would read, I would read the Bible. And so all of this stuff was happening, and and I the main thing I guess that was happening I was seeing a very big change in her, and and so th these miracles were going on and they were real. I mean, they, it was just you know I couldn't deny that. And some of the things that was happening um, was was happening to her. She got filled with the spirit. She was afraid to even tell me that. And so she came home one day and finally got up enough nerve to tell me. And I and she said. And and uh, she said, "Do you have a problem with that?" And I and I said, "No, I see it in the Bible. I see where where Paul said, you know, it was fine to do that. So I'm not I'm not offended at that at all, you know. So it, there was a point in time where after I was I saw all this, and I was in Washington D.C. Uh, working for a week, and we were you know pretty. I was I was still drinking, and I was pretty well soused um, the night before I came home. Um, but I finally gave, I got on the, on my knees in that motel room and gave my life to the Lord that night. And so when, when I was flying home, it, it just really came real to me, you know, that God loved me. And that changed my whole, that changed my whole life. 
And so once once we we got home and 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 saw that we were both God had both changed our life and everything, and we felt like God wanted us to to you know go out and minister. And I was thinking, I was thinking, God, you got to you must make a mistake because I'm not a I'm not a speaker. I'm shy. And uh, the the most words I know are curse words. Yeah. I said, you get me up, you get me up there preaching. I'm liable to get excited and, and start cursing or something. You surely you don't want that. <laughs> and uh, so I mean that tells you about where we were at. But we just started, um, we just started giving our testimony in churches, and then we started ministering in the churches and prisons in about five states. And um, so we thought we would be in Memphis for the rest of our lives because the ministry was thriving and we had, we were ministering somewhere every weekend, but I was still working a secular job, but we were, we were preaching everywhere. And then all of a sudden, um, an opportunity came for a big promotion to go to Jacksonville, Florida. And I thought, well, surely I, I just didn't, I didn't know if that was right or not. And so I just, I went off by myself into a, uh, a friend of ours had a cabin, so I went and spent two or three days and just prayed. And I felt like, in fact, I, I know God showed me that it was supposed we were supposed to move. And so we did. We moved to uh, Jacksonville, Florida, and uh, hooked up with a little church called New Life. At the time, there was only about 200 people in that church, and it ended up to be about 7,000 people. But we didn't, even then, we didn't have anywhere to minister, so we just started ministering in prison. We'd go to prisons every every uh, weekend, and um, and so we just did what we could do. And then our, our pastor came to us one day and said, "Well, we we have this businessman that's in our church, and he's having these big meetings. And um, he said all these people are getting saved, and he needs some help. And and uh, the pastor said, I think you know you and Cheryl are the ones that need to to see about." Uh, helping him and I said well what does he do and they said well he's in network marketing I said no man I, I know God's not in network marketing and so so we went and met this couple and and they said well we understand how you feel but if you just go to one meeting and see if it's what God calls you to do uh, because I don't need he wasn't looking for another networker. He was looking for a chaplain. He was looking for somebody that could help him. And so we went to uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, and there was 30,000 people in this meeting. Whoa. And on and on Sunday morning, they, they had an altar call, and 1,500 people got saved. Mm-hmm. And so we're standing backstage crying like babies. You know, we're thinking, okay, God, whatever you want us to do, this is what we'll do. And... Um, and so that's what we, we made a decision right there to start working with this particular individual. And that's when we started New Life Network and started, uh, and basically it's a ministry to the marketplace. And we've spent 29 years, you know, uh, ministering to people in business. And most of these businesses we've been in, we've worked with uh, six or seven different corporations and uh, at one period, we saw it, about, about 10,000 people a year come to the Lord. And so, you know, we didn't even know that was even out there. We didn't even know that ministry was it was even there. God knew it was there, but we didn't, we didn't know it was there. So that's what we've been doing 
you know, for the, that's one of the things that we've been doing for the last 29 years. You know, at that first meeting in Knoxville, when we watched those thousands of people come forward, we just, I boohooed and cried. And I said, okay, God, if you want us to be in whatever it is, whether it's this one or that one, we'll do it. And this actually at that time happened to be an Amway function. And um, it was amazing. And, you know, we, we got these little decision cards that people filled out. And we were reading them on the flight home. And this one card stood out to me because this man wrote, oh, this was wonderful. I've never been in church before. And I turned to Ed and I said, Ed Henderson, do you mean to tell me in the United States of America there are people who have never been to church? That really blew my mind. And and God spoke to us and said, this is your home mission ministry. There's a lot of people that have never been to church and a lot of people who don't know God and a lot of people whose lives need to be rescued. So that's what we've been doing. And we've been in many networking companies. And Chris, when you and I, well, when Ed and I and you were out on the road, we were with a little company called Montevideo, and and it was amazing, amazing. That that story you told on the front end about that boy, oh my gosh! They those people when they, I don't know if he jumped or fell, but it was he it was he died, and it was sad and it was heartbreaking. And that, what kind of, what were they there for? Beta club. Beta club. A bunch of kids from all across the state were there for a beta club meeting, and they had. I don't know, 500 kids or so in this room, and they came to us at our table and said, would y'all go pray with them? And, you know, it was so precious that God allowed us to go in there and to love on them and to pray for them. And, you know, their hearts were just broken. But what a sweet time we had with them for those little bit time we were there. It was just precious. And um, I'm just telling you, and everybody that's listening, there are a lot of people all around us that maybe have never been to church. Maybe they've even been hurt by church. I don't know. But there's a lot of people out there that have yet to come to know the love of God, the reckless love of God. You've heard that term before. Oh, my gosh. I mean, he'll kick down doors for you. He'll climb mountains for you. He'll light up the dark places in your life. He loves you that much. The Bible says he'll leave the 99 Mm -hmm. and come for you. And when Ed said, it dropped in his heart that God loved him. Do you know God's love can heal, set you free, turn your life right side up, have you going in a direction you've never gone in before? Have you doing things you never dreamed in a million years you would ever do? That scripture that says, I have not seen, nor has ear heard, it hasn't even entered into your heart what God has prepared for those that love him. And I'm just telling you, it's so good you can't think it. So... Yeah, we we never would years ago. If you told us when we first started in the ministry that we would be 
doing what we're what we've done for the last twenty years, twenty nine years. We told you we, you're crazy, you know. So, but at these meetings, it's a, it's amazing, you know. We've had one of the things we we've done a lot of marriage seminars in conjunction with these with these meetings, and and of course now it's, it's in vogue uh, to just live together, okay. And you, and you don't get married, you don't make the commitment, and so. As we as we minister to these people and they hear hear our heart and hear God's heart, we we've married people from all over. We've married people in Disney World. We've married them on the beach. We've married them in motels because they'll come to us and say, "We don't we don't have a church and we don't even know where where to get married. We don't know who." And we say, oh, "That's okay. We'll marry you. <laughs> you know, we 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 will marry you." And so it ends up in. In a, in a marriage seminar uh, or ceremony, so it's it's amazing when you're j- if you're just out there and love on people, it's just amazing what what God can do. You know, he said we need to go into all the world and preach the gospel, not go into all the churches and preach the gospel. Although they need it too. Yes, they do. But, but the deal is. We have to go wherever God sends us. Whoever, when the people that are listening tonight, wherever God sends you, whether it's on your job, at the post office, in the line at the grocery store, or wherever, we are to be that light on a hill. We are to be people with a smile on our face and loving everybody else. I'm telling you, Jesus shows through you. He shows. And I'm telling you, the world is hungry and hurting and mm-hmm. needs to save. Hey, Cheryl, can I back up just a second? I, I had a question about your, when you were talking about your testimony. Yeah. Um, when you were talking about um, when you found out you were pregnant with Chip, what was yeah. it? What was it that had you so devastated about having a second baby? Selfishness, if you want to know the truth, you can't model if you're fat. So oh, I was okay. I was making a lot of money and I was selling real estate, and I, I guess I thought at that time that I had achieved some level of success. Right. I was myself worth in my what the things that I do. Joyce Meyer says, "Don't get your who mixed up with your do," but I did. <laughs> And uh, I think it was just, in all honesty, I think it just was pure selfishness. Right. Thanks for clearing that up for me. And then, Ed, I had a question for you, too. You know, when when the young boy, the five-year-old boy, came through the house and, and told you that you were going to hell... Like, what was what was going through your mind during that time frame? Because, like, what was the catalyst that made you decide I'm going to turn my life around? Well, I think more the, more than the young boy, I think that was just sort of um, <laughs> a cherry on top of a cake. Or the the main thing that turned my life around was seeing the change in in my own life. Because I knew what she was before, and I knew what she was now, and it was, was not the same person. And so uh, they would do things that were just, um, I mean, this other girl would call her up in the middle of the night and they say, you say, well, God told us we need to go to the hospital and, and minister to somebody in room 123. Mm-hmm. And I'm th- and they, 
they'd get get up and go minister, and the person get healed. I think this wow. is great. Wow. This is if if this is a God, <laughs> you know. I had never I had never experienced anything. I had been raised in a in a religious environment with a lot of rules and regulations. Right. And when Cheryl said some people have been church hurt, no, I, I was I was raised in a, in a denominational, and I was kind of getting it. I can remember kind of getting uh, introduced to Jesus and kind of getting close. And when I was about, I guess I was about twelve years old. I went down to my grandfather's house, and they were big, you know, uh, church people. And so we went. We'd go down there to visit on on Sundays sometimes. And so we rode down, and and they they had a, a little farm there, and and I noticed that the grass was all grown up. And so I asked my grandmother. I said, and usually that's that's you know it's just you know my grandfather kept that place pretty pretty neat and trimmed and everything. So I asked my grandmother, I said, well, what's the deal with all the grass growed up there? He says, well, your granddaddy's been sick and he hadn't had, you know, time to, and hadn't felt felt well to get out here and, and mow this grass and cut it. So so I asked her where the lawnmower was. So she told me, and so I went and got the lawnmower and I started cutting the grass. He wasn't there at the time. Well, I got about halfway through the grass and he came home and, and it was Sunday. And he said, uh, he came up to me, he said, you turn that lawnmower off. I said, what? And he says, what are you doing? He says, if you've lost your religion. So hmm. that really hurt me. And that, that kind of religion, uh, because all I was trying to do was help my, my granddaddy. Mm-hmm. And, and so as, as a result, uh, I didn't have any more. Uh, warm feelings for the church uh, until I was 35 years old. I didn't give my life to the Lord until I was 35. And um, so the the boy saying that was just sort of like a sign more than anything else. It was just added on all the other signs that I was looking at. Well, I just feel like, um, you know, your testimony is basically speaking scripture out loud because there's, um, there's a verse in scripture that talks about wives with unbelieving husbands and them modeling Christ-like behavior, you know, in hopes of winning their husbands over. And I think that's a a wonderful illustration. I'm going to look for the um, chapter and verse because I don't know it off the top of my head. I just get this vision of him, uh, you know, uh, sitting on the couch with the beer and he sets the beer down and walks into that chapel with all those miracles going on. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. What a culture shock that must have been, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. It was all a culture shock and for and for women that might be listening who have an unbelieving husband. Uh don't quit praying for them. Mm-hmm. Don't quit you claim them because the scripture says you will be saved and your household. I prayed that over Ed all the time. But now let me just warn you. Ladies, I, I tried a lot of manipulating, too. Mm-hmm. I tried, uh, I'd leave the Bible open in the bathroom. I'd play Christian, I'd change the station in the car to Christian music. Uh, I'd put tracks in his suitcases when he would go out of town. None of that worked, okay? What worked is you praying for your husband, claiming his salvation, and loving him. One of the things God said to me, one time was, 
I want you to treat him as a guest in your home. And I thought for a minute, and I thought, you know, Lord, I probably treat guests better than I'm treating him. And so God gave me a new love for him, even before he got saved. And I just started doing little things, things that would help him, things that would encourage him. Uh, He'd come home from work, I'd have a glass of tea ready, you know, Uh, special dinners, anything I could think of that would so into him, number one, how much I cared, but I had hoped that he would also see how much God cared. You bring, up, you bring up a really good point there that I actually want to hit on, but I want to read this scripture real quick because it's so relevant. Um, this is 1 Corinthians seven fourteen. Uh, this is the NIV version. For the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife, and the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. So for all of you out there who have already committed to a marriage and you have an unbelieving spouse, keep praying for them. Keep demonstrating God's love into their life. And Cheryl is just talking about being the change you want to see, you know, about instead of just, you know, sitting back and complaining about your spouse, you try to be the change that you want to see. You sow into them what it is that you desire to get back and you'll watch things change. That's very powerful what you just said, because, you know, one of the things God said to me, he says, whatever it is you want from him, you sow it. That's right. You know, the principle of sowing and reaping is very powerful. It's not just about money. I mean, you know, when you start sowing things, godly seed into your spouse, you will see a change in a period of time. It may not happen overnight, uh, but I'm telling you, that's that's a powerful principle. You know, after Ed got saved, I thought everything was going to be perfect. Well, guess what? He wanted wanted to be the leader. And I I went to God and I said, now, Lord, look, he hasn't even been saved long enough. He doesn't know the scripture. And boy, oh boy, was I in for a shock. One day, God said something to me, and he said, you know, your husband cannot hear me and you both. So one of us, the hush. Ooh. Wow. I got a a spanking that day. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Because most women who are born again and and really on fire for the Lord, and maybe their husband isn't, there's going to come a day where you're going to lay down control. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to allow your husband to leave. Mm-hmm. And, you know, right after Ed got saved, he made a decision I did not agree with. How did, I told how did you him, handle it? Well, not good. <laughs> because I fussed about it a lot. And I complained about it a lot. And I kind of threw it up in his face all the time that this is wrong. We can't be doing it. One day God spoke to me and he said, You asked me to save your husband, and I did. You asked me to deliver him from alcohol, and I did. And when you don't listen to him and submit to him, 
you don't trust me to leave him. Ooh, that's mm. powerful. Mm-hmm. Wow. Absolutely. Okay. But, but there's there's the two what we've learned over the years and, and especially teaching all these marriage seminars and walking it out for fifty one years. This is supposed to, this marriage is supposed to be a team effort. Yes. It's, it's not that, you know, that man is supposed to uh, you know, be the macho ruler and submit and tell the woman to submit. That's that's not that's not what this thing is all about. If you go if you go all all the way back to Genesis when when God created man, man was man and woman. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. But but when he created man, then he reached in and pulled certain things out and created woman. So in actuality, woman is man's other self. And when man and woman, husband and wife, are in unity together and in unity with God, they're more like the image of God than any other time, and they're more powerful than any other time. And that's why the enemy fights it so hard, because he knows if a marriage gets it together and, and we and we don't lord it over each other, we honor each other's gifts mm-hmm. and we work as a team and we complete each other and we don't compete with each other all the time, that he's in trouble. The devil's in trouble. Mm-hmm. That's why he fights it like he does. Amen. I've never heard it put like that, but I really like that. That man was complete, you know, before. Yeah, I, I, yeah I've never heard yeah. it put that way. That's really, really interesting. And it brings it to where um, you're, as the two of you are doing that, you are one. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. That's why the scripture calls us a one flesh relationship. Yep. Mm-hmm. But we don't get it. You know, we take we take you know scriptures out of context, and we we don't we don't uh, dig into it. And yeah, I don't know. We get so locked into our religious traditions and our religious doctrines, and, and we don't read it in in the spirit. If you don't understand the scripture in the spirit, it's going to end up in legalism is what it's going to end up in. And that's not God's will for anybody or any marriage. No. And, uh, you know, the one thing that I can actually say now, Ed and I are probably closer now than we've ever been. Um, we, we do walk in unity so well. Now, not all the time, because we're two different people, and we're two totally opposite. That's why people marry somebody that's opposite, because that man's other self. You know, when you marry somebody that's the opposite from you, that's exactly the way God wants it. Mm -hmm. You're heavenly sandpaper. So you eventually hone up each other so that you can walk in the unity of the Spirit. You can pray together in unity of the Spirit. And I'm telling you, that is a powerful force, a very powerful force on this earth. So I pray that the marriages out there that are listening will really press into God's presence and hear His voice and love your spouse and pray over them and don't don't give up. God's got a plan. Amen to that. Mm-hmm. Amen. Wow. Very very cool. You I'm- know, Ed and Cheryl, I was uh, I I got to admit to you, I was on your website and I was looking through 
some of the photos of of the larger TPC events and the dream days and and um, yeah. you know I I was able to witness a lot of really special altar calls and and special times there you know and and with Amen. the leadership of Monavi raising their hands and stuff like that and I tell you I teared up I really did because that was that was some amazing experiences for me and I know it was for you as well and um going on in a whole another round today so you know a whole another generation of people have come along in the in that industry and uh, we just finished our very first one with uh, the company we're with now pure and it was a very sweet service and uh, we're seeing a lot of people get born again again and we're seeing people's marriages turn around and uh, you know whether they build their businesses or not that's that's neither here nor there we want them to be financially blessed and to be you know move on in in whatever capacity they choose but the most important thing is that they come to know the lord jesus god's a part of their life he's a part of their uh decision making and that way, you know, that marriages can stay together, families can stay together. You know, one of the things that um, our buddy, Mr. Hart, always says, you know, ultimate success is knowing God's perfect will for your life and doing it. And that's, that's pretty important. Yeah, and if I could say we, something. We live in a, yeah, we Don't, live in a time when... Um, when it's, it's even, it's always been important, but it's even more important now for us to be able to hear God. And in some religions, you know, they, they kind of poo-poo that and say, well, you know, if you want to hear God, just read the Bible out, out loud or stuff like that. And, you know, you can hear God. The scripture says that my sheep hear my voice. And so if you, I was, I was, I was writing a devotional one week, and, and the scripture came to my mind about faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we and I have always been taught, and I imagine most of you have been been taught that that means that you hear the preached word, or you hear hear somebody read the word, or you read the word. Okay. Now, as I'm laying there thinking about this scripture, I literally heard God say this: "says What about my voice?" And I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm laying in my bed thinking, what about my voice? Well, um, yeah, you, your voice is the word of God, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, so if you go back to the root of that whole scripture and you go back to where the enemy, you know, uh, took Jesus, led Jesus out into the wilderness. And, and, and Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's, that's different, okay, than faith coming by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It, it explains, it, you and I need to be able to hear God. We need to hear the Spirit speak to us. If we don't, if we're not able to hear the Spirit as we read the Word of God, it, it, it turns into something that is, is not. It's kind of like a tree. It's kind of like you, you can see the, you can see the top, the top of the tree, but you can't see the, the roots. And we need to be able to see the whole tree. The whole tree. 
So, Ed, what do you what do you tell people who say, "How do you hear the word of God? How do you hear God?" What do I say? I don't know exactly how to answer. How would you answer that, sir? How do you well, hear God? Here's how you hear God. You know, if Fritz, if you and I are going to be real good friends, we got to spend some time together. I got to get to know your heart. And you know, it, hearing God has to do with relationship. Mm-hmm. It has to do with you spending time in His Word, talking to Him, just like we're talking to you guys. And when we say the Word, we're talking about the Holy Bible. We're yeah. talking about the Holy Bible, absolutely. No other Bible. The Genesis to Revelation Holy Bible. Now, you can have any kind of translation you want, but that's the word. And when you press into God's presence, put on some praise music and just walk around your house and say, God, you know, I love you. Thank you. I, I thank you for my home. Thank you, God. And worship him and spend time with him. You'll hear his voice. Yes, you will. You bet you, you will. You will hear because he will talk to you. Yes, he will. And prayer is... You may not hear an audible voice, but you'll hear it in your spirit, and you'll mm-hmm. when he you'll know it's him. And prayer is is a dialogue with God. You know, you're praying, you're saying your prayers, and He's speaking to you through His Word, through that Holy Bible. So Amen. you're you're praying, and then you're reading that Holy Bible, and then He's speaking right through you, right to you through that Word, through that Holy Bible. Well, I'm just telling you, the Holy Spirit is, uh, he longs to speak to our spirit. He longs to talk to us. And uh, it'll have to, you know, we're we're from the uh, uh, charismatic group of people, if you want to put a label on it. But we believe in all the gifts of the spirit. We -hmm. believe they are very active today. Mm -hmm. We believe in we believe in um, praying in tongues. We believe in the Spirit, the active today, present day ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's part of the Trinity. He didn't go away. He's, he's still here. Or, and, and he has a voice. And uh, they, hey, tell him about uh, going to the church, the Methodist church, and what happened in, that, in the inner city church about meeting the man that was different. Oh, the first, uh, the reason that we believe in everything that she just said is because we've experienced all that. Mm -hmm. And I I remember the um, first time that I came up against um, or came in contact with a a demon-possessed person, um, the... I, I was I was going to to see a, a, a inner city pastor that I we we were friends and I hadn't seen him in a couple of months and so I took off for lunch and went down and and uh, he was supposed to be there I saw his car there but I never could get anybody to answer the door and finally I was I was leaving and and uh, his secretary came out and says well he he's in there he's ministering to somebody. And about that time, he opened the door. He opened, unlocked the door and saw me and grabbed me by the arm and pulled me in this room where mm-hmm. he was ministering to this guy from South America. And uh, and so this 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 man had got into a whole lot of witchcraft and 
and he was demon possessed. Well, at that time I was I was new to the faith. I had been baptized in the spirit, um, and and so uh, you know when I got in that room, I didn't you know what are you going to do? You going to pray in English? No, I, I I just started praying in the spirit, and I hadn't prayed more than about ten seconds, and I and God said to me, "Quit praying." You, and he told me, he says, what you have to do is you have to speak to this thing. And you have to tell it to leave. And so he instructed me what to do. And so I did. I, I, you know, I, and I, <laughs> I said some things that's not real religious, but, you know, I told this, this, I was speaking to the spirit now, not to this man. I said, I said, you, I, you know who I am. And I know who you are. And we're not staying in the same room. You're leaving right now in the name of Jesus. And you know that man got that that man got delivered right there in that room. And I and I as I was walking out there that day, I was thinking, man, this 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 actually works. This is this is <laughs> especially when you follow the instruction to the letter. Mm-hmm. This actually he works. tells tells you what to do. But then but then but then the next voice I heard as I going back to work but I heard this other voice saying but who do you think you are saying you know who I am you're some sort of holy person or something you know you get this condemnation well if you know enough about the words you know where all that condemnation is coming from because uh, that comes from the enemy so then immediately when I heard that I heard this other scripture come back to me, came back to my remembrance. It was in Acts about the sons of Sceva. And if you remember the story about the sons of Sceva, mm-hmm. they wanted to cast out demons too. Uh, but they just did it in the in the natural. They wanted to do it without the power of God. And so, you know. They, they said, we're going to cast demons out in, in the name of that, that God Paul talks about. Yeah. And so, and then if you remember, if you remember what the demon said to him, says, well, you know, we know Jesus. And we know and Paul. We know, we know Paul, but, but who are you? Mm-hmm. And then they beat the heck it out of him. It wasn't a good day for those folks. No, it, was it wasn't. Not a good, but that scripture, that, that taught me something. They, they not only knew Jesus, they knew Paul. Okay. Paul was a redeemed man of God. He was a person that was saved. He was a sinner that was saved by Christ and full of the Holy Ghost. So the demons knew him. Mm-hmm. So that te- that told me from that day on, they know who you are. They know who I am, and you have and you have that authority, you know, to speak to them. You have all but authority. Most, yeah, most most people don't. They don't get it. They don't. Uh, most people, in even in the church world, don't. No. You know, don't. They don't know the authority that they have. I want to encourage everybody that's listening to know that God has given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. God has poured out His Son, and then His Son is poured into you by the power of the Holy Spirit. That. Don't don't let anybody take any of this from you. Read God's word and know that you have authority to speak to sickness and disease, and you have authority over the enemy. 
to tread upon him over everything. You have it now. We have to hear, just like Ed did, the voice of the Father, the voice of the Holy Ghost, telling us, giving us instruction. And he will never, ever leave you. He will never hang you out to dry. When you press into him, he will tell you what to do. The Spirit will lead you into all truth. So I encourage everybody that's listening to know that God is so real. His Spirit is so real. He's still doing things today that he did 2,000 years ago, but he wants to do it through you. And I'm telling you, this is the hour where I really believe that men and women that are hearing the word, that desire to press into what God has for them, they are going to start changing their world and changing things by the power of his spirit. So I'm really kind of excited. I know we live in a screwed up world. That's obvious. But at the same time, we're set abound, grace abound, much more. So I'm just saying it's a setup, and you're being set up to succeed by the power of the spirit. So I'm just, I'm kind of excited, actually. Well, the victory is has already been run, won by Christ. And yeah. we are just all sitting around, a lot of us, in bondage. And God is like, why are you sitting around in bondage? I've already freed you. Yeah. Amen. You've just Amen. got to, you've just got to believe it and claim it. You know, you've and, got to believe it in your heart and you've got to claim the victory in him. And sometimes that doesn't always look the way that we think it should look, you well, know, almost never. Uh-huh. right. But, you know, you can sometimes choose bondage because we get comfortable where we're at. Sure. Sometimes, sure. sometimes it's easier to just sit and be the same than to try and change anything. You know, so well, yeah. Most like change. Most people just don't want to rock the boat. But I'm telling you, the boat's being rocked, whether you, whether you know it or not. You better and, believe it. You got that right, Jill. Right? That's for sure. And and either yeah. you're, and either you're going to be a part of it or you're not. Well, I, I'm not very good at. Uh, I don't sit by on the sidelines too good. I want to get in on the action. <laughs> Uh, I can attest to that. I've I've seen some of that action in action. Oh my god! It's just, <laughs> I, you know, what is that song? You're a good, good father. Oh yeah. And what does it talk about? You know, we have. Gosh, we have been given so much. God has. He loved us. If you've never heard the song "Reckless Love," go listen to it a hundred times and let the words of that song get in your spirit of how much God loves you and how much he is so right there fighting every battle with us. They've already been won, but he's fighting them with us. He's like leaning over the banisters of heaven, rooting for us, you know? And he wants us to get out of our complacency, get out of the drones and quit looking at what you don't have and look at what you do have and work with what you have. Work in whatever situation he's put you in. Go and spread that love to somebody else. 
Amen. Amen. Get out of your complacency. I like that. Yeah. Let me read one scripture to you, and then we'll, um, and this has been a key scripture for me. It's in Philippians uh, 4, 9. And it says, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Amen. If that, that scripture meant a lot to me because, because normally, well, I was, I'm not like Cheryl. I'm 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 shy and kind of quiet, and she's uh, not quiet at all. <laughs> and uh, I'm the gas. He's the brake. Okay. <laughs> so you hand him a microphone. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I guarantee you, what what we do as far as preaching, you know, on that mic, that's not me. That's that's the Lord. Because that I told somebody one time, I'm writing these. Uh, you know, I've written one book. And then I'll write a devotional every day. Um, and I told somebody, I said, if you was if you were to talk to my English teacher in high school, she would say, this is a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you must be related to my son. <laughs> What's the name of your book, Ed? For the Love of God. And I'll just take that as a segue to promote them. Um, and for everybody listening, uh, make your way over to newlifenetwork.org. What an amazing website. And uh, they've got their, uh, they've even got a plan of salvation on that website that I saw. And it's so neat, takes you through the steps of salvation. But there you can find resources and uh, learn all about what they do. You can even donate there and uh, learn about the other partners that they have in ministry with them. One of them, I, uh, Mr. Hart, my former boss, I'll call him. I just love that guy. And uh, I always coveted his tenacity because we would go into venues where he was told to be silenced and he wouldn't. You know, he said, right. I'm going to, I'm going to speak my mind. I'm going to preach the gospel and you're not going to, you're not going to keep me down. And I said, man, I, that's the, the fire and the tenacity I've always wanted. And maybe the Lord put me out on the road with him just to learn that lesson. Because time's growing short, man. We can't be silenced. We've got to uh, to work together and team together and, and uh, push the gospel more than ever. We've got to exploit the name of Jesus wherever we go. Amen. 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 Ed, and I want to leave one scripture also. And I've been, and this has been <laughs> on my heart this week. And this is in Ephesians. And it's Ephesians 1. And I'm going to start at uh, 17. And it's really, I told Ed, I said, this is my prayer for me and for people that I'm ministering to right now. And it says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and that your eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Listen, God wants you to have wisdom and revelation and knowledge of who he is. He wants your 
spirit eyes open so that you can see what God has for you. He has a hope in you that you would not believe. And what are the riches of his inheritance in you? He has poured into us great riches. We have so much. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards you? Listen, he has given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. He has seated you in high places. He has given you his name, which is above all names. He has covered you in the blood. And that blood, as the old song says, honey, there's power in the blood. And I'm just telling you, we have so many tools at our hands to go and do whatever it is God has called us to do. So we really appreciate being with you guys tonight. It's been a blast. Woo, yeah. Amen to that. Yes, and, uh, it has. I'm sure our listeners will get a treat out of this. Yeah, and I want to thank everybody that's been with us on Mixler tonight. You dialed into a good one, and thank you for being patient through the technical problems. Um, devil didn't want this one to be heard, but we stomped on that head. <laughs> ah, ah. And that Ephesians 1.17, you know, that's our prayer for you guys listening to this podcast. Um, that uh, Really, that's just a perfect prayer for everybody listening. Thank you so much, Ed and Cheryl. I know you're busy, and uh, I know Mr. Hart keeps you going. And uh, and uh, if you get a chance, pull him aside and just uh, tell him I love him and I miss him. And uh, I will. give him a big hug for me. Yeah. I will be glad to. And uh, what an inspiration he was uh, to me. And, uh, man, I would... Uh, I'd spend another five years with him if he'd let me. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> How come we haven't gotten his testimony? Well, maybe, <laughs> may, you know, all things happen yep. uh, in time and purpose. And, and uh, you know, maybe Ed can uh, slip him a little uh, advice, so to speak. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, but we I, sure do appreciate you guys taking the time to, um, you know, share your wisdom. Yes, and, we do. And Absolutely. definitely, you know, your wisdom about marriage and so forth. And um, yeah, please check out their website, newlifenetwork.org. And everything is there. You can sign up for the newsletter. And I've been getting uh, Ed and Cheryl's newsletter for quite some time. And it's fresh. It's amazing. There's always something, some nugget in there that I need when I get it. And I, I just love it. And uh, go check out their website. Uh, you know, uh, push the donate button if you can. Every, every little bit helps them uh, take the gospel across the country. Um, I, I know what they do. I've seen it firsthand. And you can't go for free. But uh, uh, no. <laughs> anyway, stay on the line, guys, if you would. But uh, And uh, thanks again for being re- with us. And... Uh, That about wraps it up for session 182. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. And I'm Tina. God bless. God bless. God bless. Hold it all together. Everybody needs you strong. But life hits you out of nowhere and barely leaves you holding on. And when you're tired of fighting, chained by your control, there's freedom and surrender. Lay it down and let it go So when you're on your knees An answer seems so far away You're not alone Stop holding on and just be held Your world's not falling apart
Just be here. 